Greetings, friends. Welcome to the Pin Tool Podcast. My name is Al Wayman, owner of Creek Road Pottery in Laceyville, Pennsylvania, next to the cold Tuscarora Creek. Pull up your chair around the wheels. We discuss topics concerning the art and craft of pottery, good books, storytelling, marketing, and creating work that matters for folks who care. Greetings, friends. It's me, Al Wayman, and welcome to the Pin Tool Podcast. This is Season 3, Episode 5 already, and we are in a new month, the month of March. So, it's been fairly warm and wet, and the creek down back, the old Tuscarora Creek, is running a bit high, and for the last four days, we had nothing but rain and very little sunshine. So I can't wait until the weather warms up. Been kind of busy. And just to do a review of February, uh, what went well, um, I was able to get a lot of things done on time with a schedule. So that means getting this podcast produced and posted um, every other Sunday, which I wanted. And also my blog post and newsletter uh, every other weekend, usually Saturday or Sunday. So I was really happy to be on schedule for at least two months. So I'm going to try to keep the streak going uh, and see what happens, right? See what happens. I was able to be on time with the Pottery Dailies, which is a daily journal thoughts and image kind of thing. So if you'd like to sign up for the Pottery Dailies, check out the Pottery Dailies, my website. And you can sign up for the free Substack subscription um, and get something from me. Look, they're not all good, right? I'm not a writer. Um, I'm a potter. And I try to make pots, right? But you'll get something from me, misspellings and all, in your email every day. And... I've been doing that for two months now, and I'm really happy about that. Uh, A lot of ideas and things that I had in my head are finally getting out, and I'm really enjoying doing it. And I would do it even if I had no subscribers. Why Why would I do that? It's because when you go back and you look at what you've done and what you've said and what you've thought, it's a good, um, it's a good guideline on where you're headed. And it's kind of like a map, right? So even when I didn't post or journal for others to see, uh, I always kept a book somewhere about things that were going on, right? So now you can see and now you can read that if you care. If not, it's not for you. Totally understood. So the newsletter sign up uh, is different from the Pottery Dailies because people who are just interested in the newsletter and are not interested in the Potter Dailies, I didn't want to be sending them something every day in their inbox if they did not sign up for that. So I would find that kind of annoying. But if you if you wish to, uh, go over there and check that out when you get time. Create the Pots for the Spring Show coming up um, March 15th to the 17th. And I got a bunch of vases done and some bowls and some wine cups. I just need to throw 50 more bowls 
and probably a hundred more mugs and, and I'll have it. So I have probably about maybe two days work left of throwing. Then I need to hand mix more glaze, do an inventory of what I got, and then uh, get those pots glazed and through the kilns. Shouldn't be too hard. Um, I definitely have the space in the updrafts. They're pretty large kilns. So uh, I remember back in the day getting ready for these shows when I only had one small kiln and I could only fire 20 pieces at a time. And uh, I used to have to fire every day back to back, including bisque. So I would start at the beginning of the week and just fire nonstop to get, you know, at least 100, 150 pots out. And it was really intense, very stressful on the wait times. And but, but since, since uh, the last three years, uh, I've been able to expand a little bit. Found some great deals on some Olympic updrafts, and those have been a big help. And uh, so, I think about I think about three kiln loads or four kiln loads will do this show. So I'm pretty happy about that. Got a decent start. It's only two weeks away, right? So I'm kind of kind of worried I'm on the line. Had some custom orders come in. Uh, I got to make 50, 50 wine cups for a Mother's Day mail-out. That's going for a lady. Wanted 50 little wine cups. So I'm going to be working on those. And then um, more shape bowls, right? So another big thing in February... The pottery as a business turned nine years old. So happy birthday, Creek Road Pottery, as Creek Road Pottery. Next year, I'm going to have to do something big, right? It's going to be 10 years. Website's been up for nine years. And the interaction on Facebook, a little bit longer. But uh, it's just been great. Going back, I lost that one page. Started a new one. Um, so that's been going good. I've been kind of slacking on posts in the social media um, because work at the paper factory has just been crazy, right? So I come home all tired out and don't feel like doing much in my days off in the pots. But the pots are a job. And um, I need to show up there more than I do and uh, be more professional about it, right? So some things that were challenging... Um, I already mentioned balancing work-life and self-care, seeing my family, and uh, just being exhausted on my days off working at the paper factory. Getting pots done on time, you know, um, I feel a little bit rushed, and after working the paper factory, I, you know, resistance is so strong to get down into the studio and actually make things, but I'm fairly confident I'll get it done. And wearing all the hats is very challenging especially now that tax season is about ready to come up and i need to get the books in order and i need to get working on my taxes so some things i learned last month right i learned that it's okay to ask for help if you need help uh, go ahead and ask somebody and also i need to be more consistent and throwing up for the pots, throwing up, showing up for the pots, because it's important. Like I said, it's a job. I need to be more professional about it. And if I could show up for writing every day, right, I can show up for the pots. And that's what I want to do. 
I need to take more time to read, visit my family. My mom's going to be 89, and bless her heart, I love her very much, but I don't get to see her enough, right, because of the pots and the paper factory job. I need to go easier on myself and have empathy, right? Because um, a lot of times we forget and we just beat ourselves into the ground and all the things that we coulda, shoulda, woulda. But there comes a point when um, you have empathy for others, generosity for others, and gratitude. You need to also share that with yourself, right? So making pots, um, you can have fun at work, right? So creating, love creating, it's something I love doing. So I need to go easier on myself while I do that. And I, I think there's one or two people that like the work and they would miss me if I was gone. And I only need one person to miss me if I was gone to matter, right? Because I make work for folks who matter and I try to make change. So also... I learned that being helpful in small ways um, can help someone else in big ways. It can it can even be answering a question for them about how to how to run square. It could even be a question about how to fire a thing, or you can actually go and assist somebody in doing some small thing that that would mean the world to them. So that's just an up date on what's been going on here at Craig Road Pottery next to the cold Tuscarora Creek. This week we're going to be continuing our study in the business model canvas and we're going to be talking about revenue streams right and what that is and how revenue streams are important for your business what types of revenue streams there are and uh so pick up a pick up a coffee, right? And we'll go down around the wheel and we will talk about uh, revenue streams in selling your work. Because we already talked about value propositions, customer segments, right? So these are topics that don't get mentioned often in podcasts. Usually there's podcasts on pottery materials there's interviews of potters we listen to what they say we enjoy that for sure but my style is more of a business end of it and to hopefully help you uh, sell a few pots and make work that matters for folks who care while bringing about some kind of change in your life and the people you make pots for right all right so Grab a coffee. It's a cold, rainy night. And we'll meet down by the wheel, the old treadle wheel. I need to. I need to make up the mugs, right? So meet me down there, and uh, I'll see you in a bit. Greetings, friends. Welcome back. And uh, pull up a chair around the wheel, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take a sip of coffee myself. Ah, uh, yeah. 
nothing like it. I I love coffee. It's like one of my favorite drinks. And uh, I was at the store the other day, and I found this big bag of 8 o'clock coffee. It was Italian dark roast and uh, whole bean, right? So I got a grinder and uh, ground some up. Wow, tastes, tastes great. So tonight we're going to be talking about uh, revenue streams. And also we're going to be tossing some mugs. These mugs are going to be uh, a pound and a quarter. And it's a good size for a coffee mug. My clay body um, shrinks probably about 14%. And usually the one and a quarter with this clay uh, is just enough. Some, some clays that shrink less, uh, I usually can get away with one poundies, but these are going to be one and a quarter. All right, so the topic of revenue streams is going to be from the book Business Model uh, Generation by Alexander Oswalder Yaves Pignier. And um, it's an excellent book, and if you can pick that up, it's amazing. Because in there, they go over the business model canvas. And as I said in previous episodes, um, I've used the business model canvas in formulating ideas and doing test runs of the different sections, um, not only for building a business, but also um, new uh, new products, right? So um, that's a thing that you can look at as it gives all the categories um, for both the business and even thoughts on how you're going to run a new product to a new customer segments and how you're going to offer those customer segments value propositions. Um, so say you're going to make a casserole dish, right? You need to go through all the things. Uh, who's going to buy casserole dish? Who will I target for a casserole dish? Um, you know, and how much will they pay me for a casserole dish of this type? And reoccurring customers, uh, subscription-based people, maybe you have a, an account where you write a blog or you come on live and you throw and people are your um, sponsors and they pay a fee or um, give you support uh, for a set amount every month. So there's a whole bunch of ways that you can use the business model canvas. But today we're going to be talking about revenue streams. So revenue streams is how you get paid by your customer segment for what you make your product and tied in with that your value propositions because if they're true value propositions and they actually are true and they are working um your customers should pay you they should want to pay you and many times they will happily pay you if the pricing is correct and and if they care right so there's a whole bunch of different ways that potters can figure out and work out pricing. Uh, sometimes people go with the uh, price that the market will bear. Like in your local economy, you look around, all right, what are people here charging for mugs? And 
you may charge that uh, just roughly either a little above or a little below whatever it is um, sometimes if you're a hobby potter uh, you may undercut a professional potter and they may get a little bit grumpy about that but in my opinion okay my opinion I know I'm gonna get I know I'm gonna get some flack for saying this maybe but it's fine if you do that right because the hobby potter their mugs aren't going to be the same as a professional's, right? Different value propositions and a whole different customer segment. So don't worry. You're not selling to the same people. And a lot of people think that they work in a mindset of scarcity rather than a mindset of abundance. I was working in a mindset of abundance. The more potters, the better for me. And even the last two shows... I had a whole nother potter in my shed selling with me. And Nan made some good money. And I made some good money. And people loved the variety. Right? So no reason to panic. So one revenue stream is what will the market bear on the average of what's being sold? Um, also, uh, another revenue, revenue uh, pricing is basically taking all your raw materials and doing a cost analysis. And if you wanted a cost analysis worksheet, um, I have one on my website. It's free for you to download. Just type in the search cost analysis web uh, worksheet and you can get that and add up your raw materials, right? With you getting paid, add in what you want to get paid. There's a section there to put in for wholesale and a section for retail. And there's even a section for figuring out, I think there's a section for figuring out both electric and gas. And also the weights of raw materials. And the cost involved with that. So, when I dip a mug, um, I know that each mug comes out roughly to uh, $7.25. That's before cobalt went up. <laughs> so everything everything needs to be revamped this year because uh, I had some grossly borate left over, had some EPK left over. All those raw materials just skyrocketed because of the mines and material changes and some running out and some being different and some availability problems. And there's a whole host of things. You should always have a backup, right? There's always a backup. So... Um, so I'm going to be dealing some with that because I ran out of supplies a little bit. At least for my next show. I think I got enough for this show here. But anyways, uh, doing that is very helpful. So, the different forms of revenue, and we already talked about some of these, is how are our customers going to pay you and um, how to generate revenue. Um, you can have pots for sale, right? An asset sale, which... Um, you're selling physical products, right? And some of these, um, potters aren't going to use all that much. Others will. So um, you're selling a physical product for an asset sale. So that is one way that you would generate revenue. Another is a usage fee. I don't know too many potters that rent out their pots for things, but other forms of selling 
do. And uh, as I said before, there are subscription fees that you could charge uh, your fans or the people that care about what you do and want to support you. Um, I know, uh, say for example, a good one is both with music. Amazon Music does this, right? Uh, you, they, you pay in a fee and they provide you with the service. Uh, some potters do this, as I mentioned before. Um, they may have a um, website set up with some on some subscription platform that um, you can pay to watch them and uh, help support them and their work because you believe in it. Also, uh, lending, lending, renting, and leasing. Um, this is, uh, you wouldn't rent out pots, but some people do. They may have uh, leasing software or renting software, or if they had a car rental, um, that would be part of a revenue stream. And also with uh, software licensing. And um, so you would sell a license to that. Brokerage fees and uh, different things. So potters and artists wouldn't really use brokerage fees, but I'm just bringing it up because it's part of a revenue stream that some people use. And also, um, advertising is huge. So if you ran some kind of uh, podcast or uh, newspaper or print, you could sell advertising space or you could make posters or whatever. Um and generate revenue that way. However, I think that a lot of times what we're looking for are more practical um, things that artists can do. So what can we do selling pots that's more practical? So we just talked about maybe five or six things that are the norm that business use the different ways to raise revenue um, and to receive revenue. Uh, one of the ways selling pottery is uh, through local, your local community. So you would show up a whole bunch of different places and think long term, right? Think like 10 years and show up at fire hall, show up at different places, community fairs, start out small. And a lot of people say, oh, I wouldn't go to flea markets. You would if you were starting out, right? And never never take advantage or never take your customers for granted on where they might be a lot of good folks started out at flea markets a lot of good folks started selling mugs and things out of the back of their trunks along the road right so don't discount that you're never too good you're never too good to sell anywheres right start now so uh, another revenue stream is having your own little shop uh, local. Some people, like I have a shed here, Pottery Shed, and I do a bunch of shows a year in collaboration with local businesses. So the local community can come and support me, and uh, they're very kind for doing so, and I very much appreciate it. So uh, you can choose to do that. You can set something up at your house. And I see questions being asked all the time. Hey, um, you know, could I just set up a little tent? So if you have an HOA, um, look out for that, right? Make sure you have the proper permits uh, with your state and be able to uh, 
collect state taxes if you're actually going to make money for a business. And there's a limit to how much you can make before it ends up being a business. So research all the business aspects of that before you set up your tent every Saturday afternoon, right? So that's one thing that you can do. That's getting your work out there. Showing your work to galleries. Um, start out small with small galleries. Um, there are some places that you can get into um, with very basic work. And then as you build, um, they help you build, right? And you find new buyers. And from there, you have a home base to go elsewhere and to sell work elsewhere. And another thing uh, that I see happening, never sign exclusive exclusivity exclusivity rights to a gallery uh, a lot of people will look for that um, and they end up being owned by the gallery and the gallery tells them what to make when to make it who to make it for uh, and a lot of times when you have an idea and you would like to sell outside of that or try something outside of that um, you're limited because you signed a contract. So, so don't, don't get into that. Not unless that's for you, right? If it's for you, read the paperwork like eight times before you sign anything. Um, also, you can get into uh, small shops and they can sell your work for you and send you a check. It's nice. So they, they usually take 30%. Now, here's another look out do not and i repeat do not sign up for a place that charges both shelf space rent and on top of that charge a commission right so anybody that's offering you deals oh yeah we got tons of traffic coming through here we have a shelf you get a whole shelf for 100 bucks a month and then we also take 30% uh, of your sale. So, sounds good up front, right? Because if they had a ton of people coming and a ton of people coming through, um, then that would be something that you could do, right? But a lot of times, you end up paying them and they end up taking a lot of work for free. And you feel bad seeing all that money that you worked for go out in fees and charges right so find a shop that only takes commission and appreciates you being there and has customers that shop there that are for you right so think about that also scope out the place what kind of people shop there what kind of other work is there and maybe even talk to some of those artists and find out what they're doing so another way that you can generate revenue is to um, uh, go to shows and submit work to shows now those shows can be picky they're hard to get into because they uh, have all these requirements and then once you meet all those requirements they have more requirements to eliminate people down to the 300 or so they need to choose um, to have the show right so before you do any of that always remember that you can pick yourself it is not your work per se 
It is not your how well that you can take a photo of a piece, how well that you can please a certain jury, five people in a room, looking at thousands and thousands of pieces, right? It's about making work that matters for folks who care. And I've known plenty of people who had beautiful work totally get eliminated out of some really nice shows um, because they didn't write a very decent artist statement or their booth looked too crowded or the juror, the person judging the work may have had indigestion or was falling asleep and just eliminated them, right? So they get the rejection letter and think it's, think it's them, right? Don't let them gaslight you. It may not even be your work, but just know that that process is out there. It can be a revenue stream. Folks who are in it, who have mastered not only the work, but also have mastered the million ways to avoid elimination to get in, right? But that is a revenue stream that you can make a decent living at if you're good at doing all those things. And there are some great people out there um, that will train you and will be happy to take your money and train you in the circus act so that you can do all the tricks to meet the requirements to get into the shows, right? Also, another way to uh, generate revenue is to submit work for a call for work from galleries or organizations and sometimes uh, you can win prizes but also you can get your name out there and get viewed by people who might care and will come back later and buy your work now here's the thing you'll have you'll have about 600 charity groups calling you up and saying that they will help you get your name out there if you donate a thing, you will get exposure, right? The only person who you get exposure for is if you do it yourself, right? Never count on anybody else for exposure. And uh, if, if you're not out there talking about your work, if you're not out there um, showing people what you do, talking to the people who care and making work that matters, um, and having people find you to support you, um, you're taking a chance by leaving it up to somebody else to market your work, and they don't they don't care about it as much as you do. That's all I'm saying. So even though it, there is a possibility um, that that could be a revenue stream for you, submitting work to shows or sending in work uh, to be uh, seen or to get seen or to have exposure, know that the outcome of that might not be as good as they will say it is. Now, don't get me wrong. There are ways of doing that. After doing it many times uh, and you get your name out there, um, you could very well gain customers and a revenue stream from doing things that way. Uh, however, just be very careful about where you're sending your work and who's representing you 
because nobody cares as much about your work as you do, right? Also, platforms to sell on, like Etsy, but all those places also have fees, so just look into those, but they can be very good revenue streams. Uh, I have a friend who does great on Etsy. She sells she sells uh, uh, cat bowls and uh, animal watering bowls and food bowls. She does great. Um, she makes a lot of sales per month on Etsy selling pots. And um, so that is a revenue stream. Having your own website, um, if you looked at some of the more famous potters, um, they do that. They make special collections, have special drop times. They build up, they build up momentum within the group, and then they may have one or two sales a year. Uh, so you could do that also. All right. Well, that was kind of long, and I hope that I didn't put you to sleep, right? But I hope that you can use your pods to make some money. And when you do, you think about the revenue streams. All right, friends, until next time, um, thanks for listening. And if you haven't seen the website, uh, go check it out. Have my newsletter. It's right on the blog page. You can read that. You don't need to get it in your email. I have the pen pal, the pen pal club. So my address is there under um, the pen pal program on the website. You can send me a letter, right? I'll be waiting out by the mailbox for it. Send me a letter, I'll write you back. Right? Leave a comment and uh, like this podcast in your favorite listening podcast player. I really appreciate it. And uh, what else I have? The Potter Dailies. Sign up for that. All of it's free. I got some journals on Amazon. Uh, my project journal. And uh, a few others that you can check out. Until next time, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go take a break now. And I'll see you again in two weeks. All right? So have a great early spring. And when I come back on, I'll, I'll tell you how the spring show went. All right? So take care, friends. Make work that matters to folks who care. And uh, I'll see you later.